the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The John Steigerwald Show, sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Portions of today's program may be pre-recorded. Remember that raid on Mar-a-Lago? Yeah, that was uh, over three months ago, August 8th to be exact. Um, Remember how excited the media were? The walls were closing in on Trump again. And they had visions of him being frog-marched out of his front door. And remember all the talk about nuclear secrets and other classified material that he somehow managed to sneak out of the White House? Haven't heard much about that lately, have you? Well, the Washington Post, uh, which was whipped into a frenzy by that story, of course, uh, back in August, uh, may have the reason, and it was probably leaked to them by the FBI. Here's the headline. Investigators see ego, not money, as Trump's motive on classified papers. And then here's what it says inside the story. Federal agents and prosecutors have come to believe former President Donald Trump's motive for allegedly taking and keeping classified documents was largely his ego and a desire to hold on to the materials as trophies or mementos, according to people familiar with the matter. Then there's more. FBI interviews with witnesses so far, they said, also do not point to any nefarious effort by Trump to leverage, sell, or use the government secrets. Instead, the former president seemed motivated by a more basic desire not to give up what he believed was his property, these people said, Unquote. So what the headline really should have said in the Washington Post, especially after the way the Post uh, covered the original story, is Mar-a-Lago raid is a nothing burger, because that's what it is, or was. So once again, the, the media, who had the walls closing in on Trump for what, about the 15th time, be clowned themselves. So did a lot of Democrats. And I wouldn't be expecting uh, too many stories from the media describing how they got it wrong, and I wouldn't expect to see too many apologies from any Democrats about it. And I really don't know where this story appeared in the actual Washington Post newspaper, but I'm guessing it wasn't a headline story on the front page. It's hard to find it on their website right now. The media have also, by the way, beclowned themselves in their coverage of Trump's announcement for 2024. We'll talk about that and other media stuff with Professor of Communications Jeff McCall in our second half hour. And speaking of beclowning, uh, leaders, quote-unquote, from around the world, including the big guy, spent a lot of time doing that over in Egypt at the COP27 fiasco. We'll talk with someone who's been to previous COP events and was at this one about what goes on at these parties and what a sham this year's event was when we come back. Stick around. If you owe the IRS 10000 or more in taxes, please listen to this important message. The IRS is aggressively hiring and quickly ramping up their tax collection team. Act now and protect yourself with a call to Tax Alliance. Don't let the money you owe the IRS keep you up at night and ruin your life. You may be surprised at how much having Tax Alliance on your side can protect you from the IRS collections and help you save thousands on what you owe. Here's what a customer had to say. Tax Alliance did an amazing job helping me through a quite difficult situation, saving me tens and thousands of dollars that I would have been paying for many years to come. Tax Alliance is rated A-plus with a Better Business Bureau with no consumer complaints. If you owe the IRS at least 10000 or more in back taxes, have unfiled returns, or have a payment plan and are still frustrated, call Tax Alliance now for a free consultation. 800-987-1054. 800-987-1054. 
That's 800-987-1054. Tax Alliance, your tax resolution solution. Attention, this is a special alert for all Americans who own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles with an overpriced auto warranty or no warranty coverage at all. Due to the increase of new and used car prices, repair costs, and the price of gas, people are keeping their cars longer than ever, which is why CarShield is announcing a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan to save any driver out-of-pocket expenses on covered auto repairs. Call now to find out how you can save thousands for covered auto repairs. Yes, you heard that correctly. You could save thousands on future auto repairs. Our specialists are standing by for all drivers to call for a free quick quote. Call 800-518-1985. Vehicle protection plan pricing is at an all-time low. Plus, drivers who purchase this coverage today will receive rental car options, free roadside assistance, and free towing. Call 800-518-1985 now for your free quick quote. That's 800-518-1985. What do you have to lose? Call 800-518-1985. Again, 800-518-1985. Charlie Dombeck here from Key City Capital. As a practicing CPA for nearly 30 years, I have found that 80% of your ability to grow your wealth is dependent upon two factors, taxes and investment performance. At Key City Capital, we improve investment performance by diversifying capital into off-market investment opportunities in passive rental real estate and alternatives like asset-backed lending. We recover dollars that clients unnecessarily pay in the form of income taxes, creating a lifetime annuity of savings. We are a sponsor of passive, affordable, single and multifamily residential rental investments, which are located in Sunbelt landlord-friendly states. These investments are the top choices in a rising interest rate and inflationary environment. They represent a store of value protecting your capital from market volatility. Learn how we at Key City Capital can help you ultimately grow your wealth rapidly. Connect with me at keycitycapital.com or give me a call at 817-912-1569. I'll second guest dinners with friends because they can be interrupted by diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, or oily stools. It turns out I have EPI, or exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, which means I'm missing the enzymes needed to digest food. My doctor prescribed Creon, pancrelipase, an oral prescription medication that replaces pancreatic digestive enzymes. Creon treats EPI due to cystic fibrosis, chronic pancreatitis, pancreatectomy, or other conditions. Creon may increase your chance of fibrosing colonopathy, a rare bowel disorder. Tell your doctor if you have a history of intestinal blockage or scarring or thickening of your bowel wall. If you're allergic to pork or if you have gout, kidney problems, or worsening of painful swollen joints. Call your doctor if you have any unusual or severe gastrointestinal symptoms or allergic reactions. Take Creon as directed by your doctor and always with food. Do not chew capsules as this may cause mouth irritation. Other side effects may include blood sugar changes, gas, dizziness, sore throat, and cough. These are not all the side effects of Creon. Creon is the number one prescribed EPI treatment. Ask your doctor about Creon for EPI and visit Creon info.com or call 800-633-9110 to learn more that's c-r-e-o-n info.com this is the john stacker show on am 1250 and fm 92.5 the answer now a big guy has uh, been embarrassing himself in the country on the world stage for several days now last week he was in egypt for the u.n climate conference known as cop 27 He bragged about uh, rejoining the Paris Accords, promised that America would do everything possible to buy into the insanity. Uh, Mark Morano is the editor at ClimateDepot.com and communications director for the Committee for a Constructive Tomorrow, or CFACT, and he joins us now. Mark, thanks for coming on the show again. Always good to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yes, I spent a week in Egypt, just got back a couple days ago at Sharmel. Sheikh Egypt, the Red Sea Resort, where they were holding this U.N. climate summit, which Biden attended right before the G20 summit. So they didn't have it at a Motel 6. (laughs) No, not only did they not have it at a Motel 6, but as estimated 400 private jets flew into this as the heads of state, celebrities and and, uh, bureaucrats came from around the world. And they had lavish meat meals served with gourmet chefs and gourmet meat menus while they were preaching to the world that we should be eating lab-grown fake meat and or insects. How how oblivious can can anybody be to their own hypocrisy (laughs) to to be able to do that? That's just, I saw that report that they ate, they had all this meat. Uh, if, if they're, especially when you know that you're on the world stage over there. You get all these uh, big name, uh, big shots over there, and lots of um, um, news coverage. And you would, you wouldn't think, well, maybe we shouldn't have beef for dinner. You know, how about chicken or I don't know, fish. 
it never even enters their mind. They, I mean, when John Kerry was confronted about flying a private jet to pick up an environmental award in Iceland, of all places, he, he actually told the reporter, it was a local Icelandic reporter, he said, you know, you know, basically he said the equivalent of, do you know who I am? Oh, I'm yeah. doing the important work. I need to be able to fly around on a, a moment's notice. I'm trying to save the planet. I can't fly commercial. That's essentially was his message, and that's how they view it. They're literally too important to follow what, the, what, what we peons have to do. So you, you were over there in, in Egypt uh, for this thing. Um, did did you go there with a, a delegation from CFACT, uh, or was it just you, or did you have a bunch of people with you? No, it was me and two people from CFACT, and I had all the, I had everything you would expect happen. I had, must have drank bad water or bad meat. I had digestion issues. I tripped while I was running. I cut my foot in the Red Sea. Uh, you know, it was it was a uh, a full international you know trip to a third world country. So I en I enjoyed all that. But we went and we actually daily went to the conference. We got fully credentialed as observers. Mm -hmm. uh, so we were able to observe. You know, if, if we do anything, and we've done this in the past, we've done events and press conferences. They've literally thrown us out. Uh, I did a cardboard cutout of Trump a few years back at the. UN climate summit, and I started shredding the uh, UN Paris Agreement, and they had armed UN cops remove me. Uh, but we <laughs> went to this event, and this event featured everything: World Health Organization, the World Economic Forum. John Kerry was there. Al Gore announced his Climate Trace app that's going to be modeled after uh, a COVID track and trace app. That you know, the idea is it's going to monitor, uh, starting out at seventy thousand plus individual emitters of CO2, in a partnership with Google. So it was it was a crazy summit of corporate government collusion is what I would call it. it has to be uh, I, I would think it's pretty scary too to see that going on and um, and how many people were over there looking at it with the same kind of skepticism you were and how many were there cheerleading? Well, when we were there the first week, I would say that I don't know of a single other person in attendance since we left. I know of at least two only two that have arrived. Everyone else, it's literally an echo chamber. It's all supporters. To give you an idea, when you arrived at the conference, there was a man standing out there that said, climate deniers deserve the death penalty. They had people dressed up in animal suits. He had a big sign saying it. Then they had people dressed up in animal suits saying, don't eat meat. I was accosted by the Associated Press lead global warming reporter for decades, AP Seth Borenstein. I shook his hand because I'd never met him, and he went off on railing on me as an anti-science climate denier. He never would have shaken my hand if he knew who I was. He went on and on. I mean, that, that's the kind of welcome you get when you're uh, not with the U.N. program of a climate emergency. So how do you get a credential for something like that if they know that you're going to go there and just cause trouble? Well, we were banned for life uh, a few years back after Morocco when we when, when we did the stunt. And the only way we got it back is you have to go in and apologize. I had to sign a letter saying I'd be a good boy and we had to follow it. And they just keep a watch on you and they literally, all you could do, we are observers. So even if I started asking hostile questions uh, at an event or a track down, say, chase John Kerry through a hallway, that would probably be grounds for my eviction from the conference. That's how strict they are at this point. So we go, we observe, we report, um, and we do special reports, and we do stuff outside the conference. We did actually a stunt outside the conference in Egypt where we got arrested at a museum. It was actually in Cairo. We, we got arrested, uh, fake arrested. We did a protest like Just Say No to Oil, mm -hmm. except we did the opposite. We superglued ourselves and started <laughs> chanting, say no to the net zero agenda, say no to uh, green energy mandates. And we even fake handcuffed ourselves like AOC did at the Capitol, where we put our hands behind our back while security walks us out. So it looked like we were handcuffed. Uh, is, uh, does it take any fossil fuels to make super glue, by the way? Is it, is it oil? That's a good question. I believe it's probably some kind of petroleum product. That's, I don't have the answer. I, yeah. I don't know for sure. I just thought of that now. It used to be, you know, yeah, it used to be glue. I mean, it used to be horses. They mm -hmm. made a lot of glue with But yeah. uh, good yeah. question. Yeah, because I, 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 you should have a sign that says, say no to super glue, and then glue yourself to, to something. With, it's, uh, I, I'm guessing that there's got to yeah, be some uh, kind of a petroleum in there. There's got to be. I just did a, I just did the Google search and it's called a, a toline, a liquid hydrocarbon made from fossil fuels is often used in these glues uh, when you look up super glue. So it's hard to say. There okay. might be some fossil free 
super glue. One of the guys had glued himself to a table. They tilted the table, and he came right off. So it's hard to say. Maybe he had one of these, uh, you know, earth-friendly glues that don't actually stick. I'm not sure, but... Yeah, well, uh, it, it sounds like you had fun anyway. I mean, it's um, you, you, you. I guess you. There was nothing there that surprised you. I'm guessing. Well, it would. It would surprise me. It was different about this, and I've been to almost every one in the last twenty years, starting with Johannesburg, South Africa, two thousand two. The difference was the corporate takeover of these summits. It used to be a bunch of wacky activists, academics, and UN bureaucrats, and then world leaders. But now, main partners of these events are Google, Bank of America, Simmons, and just a whole list of corporate world that sponsor these events, and they're all in it. Al Gore's opening speech was about how the corporate world and private business need to spend $4 trillion a year to fight global warming. And then Joe Biden shows up a couple days later and brags about the $370 billion uh, Inflation Reduction Act. So he was late to the party talking pennies on the dollar from what the U.N. and Al Gore were already demanding from the world. Is that what uh, Greta, what's-her-name, refers to as greenwashing? Uh, yes, it is, actually. That's part of it. I mean, where they, in other words, all these companies will invest because they know, A, they have the best lawyers and lobbyists, so they know how to bend the laws. They know what subsidies are coming and where to get the subsidies. They know where the funding is going, and they know where the mandates are going that they, that will distort the market. In other words... If you're, if you're an electric car maker and you know that they're about to ban gas-powered cars, as they've done in California, 17 other states, Australian banks are already talking about not giving out loans to people who want to buy a gas-powered car, you know that electric car is probably a, at least a short-term investment as they ban the competition. That's called distorting the marketplace, creating a, uh, a, a, uh, creating a car shortage intentionally is what they're doing. And all these, all these activists in corporate world, they know it because a lot of times they write the mandates and laws and legislation. And that, that's, what the, that's why Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum, is, at the, is now considered a head of state. He was at the G20 summit following this UN climate summit. And that is because these meetings they have in Davos, that's, they're so popular because it brings in against no oversight, no lobbying rules, regulations. You can bring in the politicians, meet with billionaires, millionaires, corporations, and they can devise all this stuff. That's why uh, the head of the World Economic Forum, the Great Reset, is now considered a head of state. I mean, de facto a head of state. He now gives a speech and he dresses just like the world leaders at that Bali summit. So this is what it sounds to me like. It's like uh, if you would go to a... Um, a home builders convention in Las Vegas, it would be good business for you to go there if you were selling toilets, you know, and, and, uh, <laughs> and bathroom fixtures, right? The same kind of thing. Yes. Like, or if you're, the, the market is, yes, is if you're is looking there. to make money. So, yeah, they also have, there are, there are still, they did a, they smashed climate commandments on nearby Mount Sinai, the actual site of Mount Sinai from the biblical time. They did that. They had a whole religious interfaith, religious group of Jewish leaders, Muslim and Christian. These are serious climate activists. It tells you what Michael Crichton originally said, that the new religion of urban atheists is environmentalism. And that's why this appealed to this group of people here. Uh, And they also... Uh, they also they also had calls for climate reparations. They also had multiple youth delegations. I interviewed the older youth delegation in college, and they were calling for you know basically to end capitalism. And then I went to an event with elementary school age kids, literally saying at the event, uh, we should be on the playground playing, not at a UN summit trying to save the world. To which I wanted to scream out, absolutely, go! You know, that's where yeah. you should be. Go back to the playground. Your parents are abusing you, bringing you here, thinking you can stop the Earth's climate from changing through the United Nations. This is it, it, it's funny and stupid and ridiculous, but it's also pretty frightening. That you know some of the it's stuff very frightening because they're winning. They're yeah. winning, and what I mean by they're winning is they've bypassed democracy. We don't get a say. We're not going to vote on the Green New Deal. The Green New Deal was introduced in Congress. There'll never be a vote on it. Why? They don't need no stinking vote. They're implementing this agenda through every cabinet agency, through executive orders, through the financial system by defunding fossil fuels, through um, these trigger laws in states when one state does it in California, through unelected bureaucrats, through the banking system. They're winning. The net zero agenda is shutting down agriculture in the Netherlands. It's now going after Canada, Australia. It's coming here. 
Uh, we didn't vote not to eat meat. We didn't vote not to drive gas-powered cars. We didn't vote for vaccine mandates. We didn't vote for lockdowns or church closures. It all just happened to us, and that's the new world. Democracy no longer need apply. Everything's done through emergency orders, through the executive branch, through the bureaucracy. Uh, and this is the this is what we have to fight against. And I think the Republican Party is woefully unprepared to fight any of this. They are they're still living in like the 1990s politics of America. We're talking to Mark Morano. He's the editor at climatedepot.com, also communications director for the Committee for a Constructive Tomorrow, also known as CFAC. Um, so um, what what was it? Well, you said the Republican Party is not ready for this. What would they need to do to show that they are ready or to, uh, to, to, or to okay. put, a, put a stop to it? Good question. Mitch McConnell's wife, Elaine Chow, goes to these events now where, they believe, where Republicans believe climate is a problem, but we're going to offer a free market solution. So we're going to do carbon capture and we're going to no, plant man. trees to fight global warming. So a whole delegation, and so does Kevin McCarthy, the House leader. He believes climate's a problem and we're going to come up with our own solution, an alternative Green New Deal. So they sent an entire delegation of Republican congressmen to this event. They just left a couple days ago. And they give speeches. Dan Crenshaw was one. They'll give speeches saying, oh, they're demonizing fossil fuels here, but they're legitimizing this entire U.N. process. They think the U.N. has a good grip on the science and that they're there to participate and they're trying to bend the process to be more oriented. Instead, they're legitimizing it and not offering. All they're offering is Me Too Republicans, which no one's going to look at as being enough. And they're going to they're basically irrelevant, but they're trying to make the Republican Party in the U.S. like conservatives are in Canada, in Europe, which is which means all the all the so-called conservatives in Europe, politicians, prime ministers, they're all accept the climate catastrophe and they all accept net zero. And they just argue over the margins, though, not so fast. Me, too, but not so fast. You guys are going too far. That's our modern Republican Party when it comes to leadership. There's a lot of good players. You know, Donald Trump did a fantastic job as president on climate and energy policies. I don't know enough about Ron DeSantis, but he seems like he gets it as well. But I'm talking about the Capitol Hill leadership that we have a major problem with, um, with the Republicans. And how's that, how is that going to be fixed? If the, if the only hope you have is, is, is um, Mitch McConnell's wife running around over there in Egypt... We, we're doomed. Well, she wasn't in Egypt. But oh. She, oh, okay. she wasn't in Egypt for that, but other Republicans were. But no, oh. she's been at events for the oh, same okay. people who sponsored the other guys going to Egypt. Uh, the way to fix it, there's actually challenges right now to Mitch McConnell's leadership, to Kevin McCarthy. We'll see what happens. Hmm. The, the, with the way to really change it, we needed to elect a lot more um, Republicans willing to fight this. And unfortunately, it doesn't look like we did. So they barely got the House and they didn't get the Senate. So... Usually that means there's going to be no radical shakeups, but we'll see. And what was their plan over there, uh, Mark, to handle this the energy shortage that's going to be arriving here and not here, but well, be here too, but mostly in Europe? What? what uh, you're not going to. You're not going to like the answer, but they said it with a straight face. I thought I talked to the Ukrainian delegation of all things. They had the, they had time to come out of the war. They went. And I talked to their spokesman. Guess what they believe Vladimir Putin of Russia fears more than anything else? I don't know. Europe doubling down on solar and wind. They actually <laughs> told me that, their spokesman. They actually think Vladimir Putin fears green energy. He's laughing his bleep off at Europe as they double down. So the solution to the energy problem is to double down on green energy. That's literally what they think. And they'll go further. We had a Goldman Sachs economist who actually said we spent four, almost $4 trillion to do nothing to reduce U.S. use of fossil fuels over 10 years. So the U.N. conference knows this, and what do they want to do? They want to double down on failure. Instead of $4 trillion over 10 years, Al Gore is calling for $4 trillion every single year globally now. So when you fail, it's not because the idea is bad or it's unworkable. It's because you need to double, triple, quintuple, and keep on going with more and more money. That's the lesson, and that's where they're going. They're, they really believe in this green energy utopia, and they don't take any responsibility. It's all Putin's fault that Europe is facing blackouts, energy shortages, wood's more valuable than gold, and they're fearing winter for the first time since before the Industrial Revolution when we had – you know, when they when they had industrialized and improved the lives of so many millions of people. Well, it's uh, it's not encouraging, Mark. I appreciate you coming on, but uh, I'm going to go out and I'm going to invest in uh, wood. 
firewood. Like that's right. That's what the BBC says is more valuable than than gold in Europe right yeah, now. People yeah. are deforesting, and they're they're getting ready for a brutal winter. There could be a you know what did Joe Biden call it the winter of the unvaccinated yeah. the, oh, yeah. a, a death and, death and death misery and, or something yeah. That may actually apply to many in Europe now facing this because they can't afford their heating bills, especially well, senior citizens on fixed income. So I'm we'll sorry see. to say, but they deserve it. I hate to say that, but it's too bad. Hey, Mark, um, I appreciate you coming on the show. Great stuff, and I'm glad you enjoyed your little junket to Egypt. I'm, I'm still recovering here, so I'm still <laughs> recovering from that trip. But Thanks. Yeah, thank you very much. Talk soon. We'll be back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says it's time for change. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi announces she will not seek a leadership position in the new Congress. With great confidence in our caucus, I will not seek re-election to Democratic leadership in the next Congress. Pelosi announced in a spirited speech on the House floor that she will step aside after leading Democrats for nearly 20 years and in the aftermath of the brutal attack on her husband, Paul, last month in their San Francisco home. All now in their 80s, the top three House Democratic leaders faced restless colleagues eager for them to step aside and allow a new generation to take charge. Bernie Bennett in Washington. New York Governor Kathy Hochul declaring a state of emergency starting today in parts of western New York ahead of a potentially dangerous bout of lake effect snow. That state of emergency covering 11 counties in New York. This is SRN News. Charlie Dombeck here from Key City Capital. As a practicing CPA for nearly 30 years, I have found that 80% of your ability to grow your wealth is dependent upon two factors, taxes and investment performance. At Key City Capital, we improve investment performance by diversifying capital into off-market investment opportunities in passive rental real estate and alternatives like asset-backed lending. We recover dollars that clients unnecessarily pay in the form of income taxes, creating a lifetime annuity of savings. We are a sponsor of passive, affordable, single and multifamily residential rental investments, which are located in Sunbelt landlord-friendly states. These investments are the top choices in a rising interest rate and inflationary environment. They represent a store of value protecting your capital from market volatility. Learn how we at Key City Capital can help you ultimately grow your wealth rapidly. Connect with me at keycitycapital.com or give me a call at 817-912-1569. AM 1250, The Answer. Hugh Hewitt. The Hugh Hewitt Show. Hi, it's Hugh Hewitt on the next Hugh Hewitt Show. Well, the race for the House is finally getting close to being settled. Probably 221 Republicans, maybe 222. I'll talk with Dr. Larry Arn of Hillsdale College and the Hillsdale Dialogue about what that means and about Winston Churchill's The History of the English-Speaking People on the next Hugh Hewitt Show. Hugh Hewitt, tomorrow morning at 6, right before Mike Gallagher at 9, on AM 1250. The answer. Whose rule book do you want to play by, the government's or your own? This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Without a proper estate plan, many families end up playing by the government's rulebook and losing a lot of what they'd intended to leave to their families. That's why Abernathy and Hagerman presents free, ongoing estate planning workshops with attorney Dan Reimer to help you protect what's yours and make sure the government plays by your rules. The next one's happening soon. For details and to attend, visit a-h.law. Meet Brad. Brad's hard at work, or at least his website is. Ever since he added live chat with Salem Surround, Brad's customers are getting their questions answered 24-7. Website purchases have gone up 35%, and they're over three times more likely to buy from him again. No bots, just real people helping real people. Live chat, one of the easiest, most affordable ways Salem Surround can increase your business while you do other things, or nothing at all. Ask us how at surroundpittsburgh.com. Your local radio stations are here for you. No subscriptions or monthly fees necessary. We're here to give you the news, weather, and traffic you need and the music you love. But if the foreign-owned record labels get their way, it could stop the music. They want Congress to force radio stations to pay them more money simply to play their music. Don't let radio go silent. Text LOCAL to 52886 and tell Congress to protect local radio stations. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W223CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the answer mobile app. Smart speakers. Tune in iHeart or Odyssey. 
Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Finishing out with a very busy afternoon into evening. Parkway North, it's backed up inbound between Reedsdale Street to the Fort Pitt Bridge. 376 inbound delays Montour Run Road to 22. Parkway West also heavy inbound from 79 to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. On the outbound side delays Banksville Road to Carnegie. Inbound Parkway East is all jammed up Forbes Avenue to the Fort Pitt Bridge. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. We'll see a couple of flurries tonight, otherwise considerable cloud in this evening, then partly cloudy skies late tonight, the low 26. Tomorrow, breezy and cold with a little snow at times, accumulating a coating to an inch. We'll reach a high tomorrow of 33. Tomorrow night, partly cloudy and cold with a low of 21. Mostly cloudy Saturday, breezy and quite cold with a high of 32. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, how's this for an unbiased headline? This is from NPR. That's a national public radio Tuesday night. That's the, uh, the network that's forcibly funded by you. You were forced to fund it with your taxpayer, or with your tax dollars. Here's the tweet. Quote, breaking. Donald Trump, who tried to overthrow the results of the 2020 presidential election and, and inspired a deadly riot at the Capitol in a desperate attempt to keep himself in power, has filed to run for president again in 2024, unquote. And that was pretty much the tone of the media coverage uh, of the announcement everywhere. Jeffrey McCall is a communications professor at DePaul University, a media critic for The Hill, a regular guest here and our media expert, and he joins us now. Jeff, thanks for coming on again, as usual. You're welcome, John. Great to be with you. So let me give you a couple of uh, uh, quick... I, mean, I won't read the whole paragraph, but I'll just give you like the first line. This is from a this is from a, a CNN a business uh, story. Uh, I don't know why they were covering how the rest of the media were were covering the announcement. But here's just a couple of quick ones. And I'll just give you the first line or so. The Washington Post: Donald Trump, comma the twice impeached former president who refused to concede defeat and inspired a failed attempt to overturn the 2020 election, culminating in a deadly attack on the Capitol, officially declared blah, blah, blah. New York Times, Donald J. Trump, whose historically divisive presidency shook the pillars of the country's democratic institutions on Tuesday night, declared his intention, blah, blah, blah. Newsmax was a little different. Former President Donald Trump eschewing uh, establishment calls to hold off and end establishment to stop him officially declared. And then so that that those those from the New York Times and the Washington Post to me are, are just uh, beyond belief. Is there any surprise uh, on your part that uh, that's the way it was reported? Or, no, there's, just... there, there's no surprise there. I think the group think is still happening in those mainstream media organizations. Uh, and the one thing it shows, I think, is that Trump is still in the heads of these uh, editors and producers at these various establishment media outlets. And, you know, certainly Trump is a controversial figure, uh, but the way they've worded these things contains so many um, non-objective kinds of word choices. Mm -hmm. A lot of, you know, uh, subjectiveness in there, a lot of judgment is made in there. Uh, when they throw in the deadly attack on January 6th, are they referring to Ashley Babbitt? No, I don't I, think so. My, my, my guess is that they're not. Right. And so they're uh, kind of exaggerating the nature of the story to serve the storyline that they want or the narrative they want. And I think that is the kind of reporting that most Americans really don't want anymore. I think they want fact-based reporting. Uh, and if they want to do analysis in which they say, you know, insulting things about Trump, that's fine. Put it on the opinion section. Uh, but the stuff you're quoting was not from their opinion section. That was from their news section, that's, and that, in, that includes NPR. Jeff, that's the lead. That's the lead. The, the, that was the lead. That's how, they, that's how the story started. That's the first sentence of the story. Uh, that, that's just, um, yeah, there's no way you could find, I don't know where you would find a, a lead uh, to any politician doing any other thing that would have that many, as you say, non—I uh, should say—subjective words in there, um, and 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 I have a friend who uh, who he's a he was a an editor for a newspaper in Fort Myers, Florida, for like thirty years, and he's now teaching at a school down there, one of the schools in Florida, and he's 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 uh, working 
with um, students, journalism students. And he's and you may you may relate to this because you're a teacher yourself. He says that he he can he can see in the first paragraph he looks for certain adjectives and adverbs, and yep. he and he jumps on them right away as soon as he sees controversial or you know any one of those words he knows that it's a biased report and he and he screams at him to quit doing it. Well, he's exactly right to, to look at that and. You know, in, in the academic world, we talk about psycholinguistic objectivity, which is kind of stuffy sounding, mm-hmm. but it, do, it is the study, basically, of words and whether or not those words provide concrete meaning or whether they're providing, con, you know, uh, more abstract notions in which people are interpreting. And we see in the, 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 lead, the leads you just read a lot of interpretation going on and judgment being made. Now, here, you know, and here... Think about this contrast for a second. I mean, I know Trump's controversial, but he was a one-term president who uh, is interested in running again now. But think about uh, Jimmy Carter as a one-term president. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he were to announce he was running again, would they run a headline or the lead in sentence like, Jimmy Carter, the famously inept and incompetent bozo of a president <laughs> who, who got uh, our American diplomats taken hostage in Tehran has decided to run again. And no. oversaw deadly inflation. And yeah, yeah they would not. No. I mean, and, 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 and they should not either. No. Because they should say, Jimmy Carter wants to come out of retirement. He's interested in running for president. He gave a speech to announce his candidacy. Here's the basis on which he thinks he can run. And then if they want to do a commentary that he shouldn't or that he wouldn't do a good job or that his other presidency was failed, do that as an analysis or an opinion section and put it somewhere else. Right. And I think that's why so many news consumers in the United States in this day and age don't trust the media anymore because they can't distinguish what is supposed to be factual, halfway objective reporting from what is clearly editorial and commentary uh, in, it, it disguised as news. Yeah, and that's, that was going to be one of my questions. Um... Uh, for you, um, I put it to you this way: Who suffers more in the long run from the media's over-the-top bias, which I just, you know, we we just talked about and we just witnessed here in these leads? Who suffers more in the long run from this over-the-top bias, Trump or the media? Well, I think that you know, people's got their decisions made about Trump. I mean, when you get right down to it, if you walk down the street. Trump is not a person for which people would say, well, you know, I really can't make up my mind about that guy. So people already have their opinions established yeah. about them. So when the media goes out of their way, you know, to, to frame uh, his Trump, his uh, presidential announcement in a biased fashion, it's really telling us more about the media's predispositions and anger, so to speak, uh, than it does anything about Trump. So and, and, you know, we've talked about this before. The media has a tremendous challenge to try to regain public trust because they've lost public trust. And once they've lost public trust, it's damaging to news consumers because we can't have any confidence in the information we're getting from the establishment media. It's bad for the sources of the news because they're not getting a fair shake, whether it's Trump or Biden or anybody else. But the other thing is, I mean, we, everybody makes a big deal in this day and age about threats to democracy. Well, I think a threat to democracy is having a national news media that people can't trust because they're supposed to be fueling the conversation of democracy and people can't put any confidence in it. And so we're all left to either be ignorant or to go down rat holes or social media or to not pay attention to the news at all, which is really bad for democracy. Do you think this is um, a product of 24-hour news and um, all news channels because, um, you know, it, when, when there was no CNN and there was no Fox or MSNBC or any of these other networks, and there's a million of them now, um, you didn't have the time to, 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 be, uh, to, to do stories like this and to in, inject your opinion and all that. And people tuned to, I guess what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to get at here is, with CNN and Fox and MSNBC, for example, all three of those news networks, they um, co-mingle the uh, commentary shows with the news shows mm-hmm. so where each disappears into the other every now and then. And has it, yeah. has it gotten to the point where it's almost impossible for an all-news network, 
if they're going to have the Sean Hannity show and the Tucker Carlson show, you can't really expect anybody to take you seriously as a as a, a straight news channel. And that's the yeah. same thing for MSNBC and CNN. It has all been blended, but I think it's also been blended on the front page of the Washington Post and USA Today and places like that. Yeah, but is that a result, do you think, of of what's just happened to news in general? Yeah, yeah, uh, the the 24-hour news cycle uh, really is a contributing factor. Uh, So I think think you're on the right track there, but I don't think that's the main reason. I think the main reason that the news industry has gone off the rails and become so ideological is, is that it has, has, it has generated groupthink uh, to the nth degree in these various newsrooms. Mm-hmm. And by that I mean I think they all seem to want to think alike, and that you know, they come out of universities and journalism schools now where they talk about activist reporting, and they actively tell students now, oh, you don't need to report all sides of a story, you report the right side of the story. Uh, actually, I shouldn't say right, the correct yeah, side. Yeah, correct, yeah. Um, um, and so there's this notion here that the old standards of journalism uh, are no longer applicable, and so we end up with people who go into newsrooms. And let's face it, the, the ideologues you know, in place you know, in the high-ranking editorial positions at the New York Times or the Washington Post, they're the ones doing the hiring. And if somebody comes in there and says, hey, I'm a centrist, or maybe I'm a little right of center, or I grew up in the Midwest in a conservative household, they're not even going to get hired. So they don't even have a chance to diversify, so to speak, mm-hmm. the mentality in those newsrooms. So your, your 24-hour news cycle is a problem because people don't have time to edit and think and reason through stories. They just have to rush them on as fast as they can, and there's no you know, concerted editorial process to get things right. But beyond that, when you have a mindset in these newsrooms, which I think we have, and that NPR example is a perfect, it's the perfect one, the mindset is... We are out to push an ideological point of view. Um, and, and by the way, this, it's, it's equally bad for journalists, whether it's an ideological point of view to the left or to the right, like you might have on OAN, for example. Right. So it doesn't serve the interests of news. And again, like I said before, I'm not opposed to commentary, but it can't be in the news feed, and it needs to be separated. And you no, know, Fox does have trouble with that, because, I mean, people identify the Fox News channel as being Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram. And they don't think that maybe there's some decent journalists like Martha McCallum or Brett Baer at other times of the day who are trying to do real journalism. Yeah, uh, and we're talking to Jeff McCall. He's a professor of communications at DePaul University and a media critic uh, for The Hill. Um, So do you suppose that there was quite a bit of, I don't know if you call it cheering in the MSNBC and CNN newsrooms when... Uh, became official, not that they didn't know it was going to happen, but do you think they're, in general, just thrilled that Donald Trump is back for two more years? Keeps, oh, them, yeah. keeps them in business, doesn't it? He will give a, a boost to their ratings for sure because, you know, it, there's no way that they can't cover him every day. Like mm-hmm. I said before, Trump is still in the heads they can't help of these establishment no. media producers, and they know that if they do segments that bash Trump or call into question his sanity or his politics or his, you know, legal dealings or anything, they know that that is going to just spark all of the anti-Trump people to come listen to them and watch them. And it's been interesting to think over the last two years, the ratings at CNN and MSNBC have really dropped off the ledge. Mm -hmm. And that's because, you know, Trump has been relatively off the radar. Even with the January 6th hearings, they, they couldn't generate enough interest. Yeah. But with, with Trump actively now going to go out and campaign, they can go back out there and talk about what a danger he is oh, yeah. and, you know, make fun of every, you know, misstep he makes or every crazy comment he might make. And sadly, Trump is sometimes his own worst enemy because mm-hmm. he does say things that are off the rails at times. Yep. And now uh, on to another subject here. Did you happen to notice how little the media seemed to care about the Washington Post story, uh, apparently leaked to them by the FBI, that says what they found at Mar-a-Lago was mostly mementos and souvenirs? No nuclear yeah. secrets, nothing dangerous, no indication that he was benefiting, uh, you know, business-wise through any of the stuff. And I don't know what page that showed up on in the Washington Post, but I'm guessing it wasn't one, page one. Yeah, I, my guess is not either. And, and this story is going to just drift away and nobody's going to pay any attention to it. But this is another case where I think as news consumers, we need more explanation 
for how that story was covered initially. Because you remember when that story was covered initially, you know, everybody had their hair on fire, you know, that Trump was peddling nuclear secrets to foreign enemies yep. for profit and all kinds of crazy and things. The, were and the walls on. were closing in again on him, and he it was oh. you know, for the 15th time. Yeah, but I think one aspect of that story that needs to be covered now, but I don't count on it being covered now, but I think the next angle on this story should be uh, if this was such a nothing event, uh, which now it seems like it was, um, why did the FBI and the Justice Department make such a big show about this? And then really maybe they maybe even already knew that this this was not going to be a great big deal. And was this maybe political theater to support the January 6th hearings or to try to damage Trump or whatever? But it seems to me that if they went in there, raided this place, and they didn't find anything, their intelligence on this raid or the justification for that raid might have been pretty shallow. And maybe that should be the story now. Is like, on what basis did the Justice Department think that they were going to go in and raid the, the residence of a former president? And, I mean, even then it looked like a political stunt. But now it looks even more like political vengeance, and I think that's the story, but I don't think the Washington Post is going to pursue well, it. Well, the only hope, I think, would be that now that the Republicans have the, the uh, House, that they would um, order an investigation of it or something, not that anything would ever come of that either. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another story out there, Jeff, before we go, and that's we talked about it, it the last time you were on, uh, Paul Pelosi uh, we, we talked about the story where the NBC reporter said that uh, he came to the door and opened the door at his place uh, and, the, and let the cops in, and then he they took that story down. And I think since we spoke, that NBC reporter was suspended for that story after the NBC took the story down from their website and everything. Well, now a San Francisco local NBC affiliate is reporting what the original NBC reporter reported who got suspended. Uh, and so NBC, uh, they have some explaining to do? Or what, 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 are, what are people supposed to take from all that? Oh, my gosh. You know, I think NBC's mismanagement of this is really obvious, and it shows a total disregard for professional standards, and it shows a disregard for us as news consumers. You know, given the political and sensational nature of that story, NBC really owes it to us to explain what parts of that correspondence story were inaccurate and how that mistake happened. Mm-hmm. And they, they pulled it down and they suspended this guy, but they've never told us which journalistic standards were violated. And I must say, if they can't explain how the mistake was made or what journalistic standards were violated, then it appears that this poor NBC correspondent, who is a veteran correspondent, he's not like a cub oh, reporter yeah. out there no. on his first story, they should, ex- you know, it appears that he's being punished now for reporting accurately. And I don't know if that San Francisco station is an NBC-owned, it's an NBC affiliate, you know, of the network, but it may not be an NBC-owned station. But if it's an NBC-owned station, then how is that, how is the reporter in San Francisco okay to, how is it okay for him to go on with the story, but they suspend the guy who says the exact same thing at the network level? Yeah, and it seems like the local affiliate must be confident in their sources. And I think that's the thing yeah. we need to know, too, is like, well, who were those sources? And on what basis did that NBC reporter get cleared to put that on the network? Because it seems to me that if he's being punished, there are other people that need to be punished as well. The executive producer, yep. the writer yep. for that story, the, uh, the videographer, probably. All the people who participated in that report should be disciplined in the same way. And NBC hasn't said a word about anybody else. And I would say... Pretty high up, you know, who's the executive producer of the Today Show where that first mm-hmm. showed up? Mm-hmm. Because if that report is so bad that it gets your correspondent on the scene suspended, somebody else had to greenlight that story to put it on the air. Yep, and, I, and I'm out of time, but I think what's changed, uh, Jeff, is that someone has seen the body cam video. And so that, that, and that, that, it'd be nice to have that out to clarify things. Eventually, you? yep. Hey, Jeff, always good to have you on. I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Thank you. I, I look forward to it. Thank you. Okay, Jeff McCall, DePaul University, professor of communications. We'll be right back. Do you know how much you're really paying for life insurance through work? I can almost guarantee you're overpaying for limited coverage. 
I'm Joel Clark, a select quote agent for over 20 years. My clients are shocked to learn how expensive life insurance at work really is because of a rate that's driven up by unhealthy people. Why pay more when you don't have to? For over 35 years, SelectQuote has helped people save 50% or more by shopping highly rated insurance carriers. I found a 40-year-old man with high blood pressure, a $500,000 policy for only $18 a month. Don't procrastinate. Workplace open enrollment will be here soon. Let SelectQuote save you money and get you the coverage you need to protect your family. For your free quote in just minutes, call 1-800-865-2266. That's 1-800-865-2266. 1-800-865-2266. Or go to SelectQuote.com. Full details on example policy and carrier ratings at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Price could vary by health, issuing company, and other factors. Not available in all states. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Oh, I love having uh, Jeff McCall on as a media person myself and uh, a person who's involved in uh, working with uh, college students and their um, training and how to work in the media. I really enjoy talking to him. Uh, actually, I, I do some work for Waynesburg University as a consultant. Uh, I'm basically a coach where I, I work with kids on how to write for TV, write for radio, how to deliver, how to read a teleprompter, which may sound like it would be something easy to do, but you'd be surprised to see uh, the difference between a freshman trying to do it and somebody who's a senior. And there were a couple of guys there today. We had a meeting, and they're seniors. Um, I think both of them are getting out in December, so they're getting ready to leave, and they're walking right into jobs as uh, uh, TV reporters and we had a little bit of a discussion today about reporting and the difference between reporting and being a commentator. And um, I, I think that they're going to be they're going to be doing it at a local level at small stations, and uh, they're going to be out. They're not going to be covering a lot of um, I don't know if the importance the right word. A lot of stories are important that don't deal with politics, but they're, they're not going to be doing stories where their opinions might work their way into the story and cause a problem. They're going to be out covering fires and murders and car accidents and, uh, and, and boring parades and things like that on the weekend. But uh, it's true that it's become harder and harder for, to find people who know how to just go out and do a story without in, in, uh, including their opinion in it. And um, it's going to keep getting harder, but we'll see. Anyway, we'll talk tomorrow. I think I'm out of time. Bye. The John Steckerwald Show is a production of Salem Media Group and sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the Yellow Van. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.